I don't know about you, but I am a free spirit and that gets me in so much trouble. And mainly because I resist the structure that I need in my day to truly achieve the success. And it's really ironic because the structure that I resist is really the key that unlocks the freedom that I desire. So in this episode of the Align Life Pro, we're gonna dive into habits and routines and what they are at the core and how you can put these routines in your day so that you can achieve the success you truly want while also having the freedom that you desire. So stay tuned and also make sure you check out the show notes. We're gonna have a great downloadable resource. Talk to you real soon. You are capable of more. All it takes is a few minor adjustments to focus your energy, optimize your performance, achieve greater well-being, and ascend to the success you're capable of. We are here to guide you on the Aligned Life Pro. All right, Mike Gandolfo here. When you're back on the Aligned Life Pro, I'm joined as always by New York Times bestselling author, Michael Lennington, and the queen of performance coaching, Kristen Tabbert. How are you guys doing today? I am doing really fantastic. Well, that's great. Happy Mother's Day weekend, by the way, Kristen. Thank you. Michael, how are you? I had a pretty good Mother's Day. I'll say that. <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, you worked hard for those kids, right? I did. I really did. All right. So if you listen to episode one, you're back for episode two. That's a good sign. Hopefully, you were able to complete the homework assignment that we had with the resources. One of the resources we gave you was just a little bit of a checkup. We're going to dive into that a little bit today, and we're going to get specifically into the habits and the routines. At the very beginning of that resource that you could have downloaded after episode one, we asked for you to determine what would it take to level up. And I think we're going to dive in a little bit about what that means, what it means to level up. And then we're going to get into what is a habit, how we can know what a good habit is, a bad habit, how we can adjust those finally putting the habits together in routines that are extremely important as you ascend to success. So let's start right now with the idea of leveling up. Kristen, when you're dealing with a client, Americans in general want to get to level 10 success as quick as possible. But in reality, success is not about getting to level 10. It's about knowing where you're at and then just making a little, you know, getting a little bit better than where you were before. Absolutely. We live in a society where we want instant gratification. We want it yesterday. We want to be thin the day after we decide to start an exercise program or a diet program. We want to have a million dollars in the bank when we decide we're going to start taking our fiscal responsibilities more seriously. And, and it doesn't work like that. It, it starts in small chunks. Everybody's heard the expression, how do you eat an elephant? Well, you eat it one bite at a time. And that's what it takes to level up. It takes really digging into where you are out of alignment, picking something, one thing, maybe two things that you really want to get better in, you want to level up in, and, and identifying also where you're at in those levels. If you want to be a level 10 and you're a level one, what's it going to take today just to get to level two or even level 1.5? Michael, she brings us some excellent points. And I know that you are really big on stating that perfection can kind of be the enemy of performance. I think with the concept of 10, right? Level 10 is, is the first thing you have to do is make sure it's your 10, not somebody else's 10. So we all set our own expectations for ourselves and what a 10 would look like for us individually. So it's important that you're not trying to live up to somebody else's expectations. And then also realize that we are not perfect. In fact, 
on my uh, daily routine sheet, it starts off, it says, be excellently good, <laughs> which means that I, I just really want to make sure that I'm, I'm doing my best to be as good as I can be, but I'm never going to be perfect. It gets back to the maximization versus optimization question we've talked about. My belief is that we often set such unrealistic expectations for ourselves that we're going to fail. And then that failure confirms that we're, we're not who we want to be. It's a vicious cycle of high expectations and then failure. So, so make sure that you're, you're looking for progress and you're setting, setting opportunities and, and your 10 is, is attainable. First off, let's talk real quick. The health check that we gave, we had six categories. So we had spiritual, we had relationships, we had personal, we had physical, professional, and we had financial. You are so dead on. Most people are constantly trying to ascend to someone else's level 10. If you're doing that, you're going to be out of alignment from the get-go. You really need to define what is level 10 for you and what you want. Uh, that's the only way to really get that massive stride for success. Do you agree, Kristen? Oh, I absolutely agree. You know, when, when we're talking about what our expectations are, where we think we want to go, I always say you have to start with vision. Even at the vision level, Mike, we get couples that are, are working together on their long-term vision that as they start that, that exercise, they're not even close to having the same type of visions. What one person wants is completely different from what the other person wants. And, and we find that with leveling up in our business, it's the same thing. It, it seems to kind of coincide with what society expects my level 10 to look like. And that may not be real realistic for you. Michael, when I look at these categories too, it's amazing how many times making an adjustment in one can affect the other one as well. Well, that's, that is so true. Any one of those six can be either a source of energy for you, you know, so you've got a great relationship with your spouse and, and you, and you're aligned. And when problems arise, you, you, you attack them together instead of letting the problem come between you, you're going to have so much more energy, not just for that relationship, but also for the other areas of your life. It's going to feed in and, and, and support the other areas of your life. On the other hand, if you are not living the life you want to live with your, with your partner, with your spouse, and you fight and problems become, come between you and, and you attack each other versus the problem, that kind of a, of a relationship is going to drain energy from other areas of your life. And so you know, it's just being aware of where you're showing up in these areas, not ignoring them, being honest with yourself, and identifying which ones you, you really want to get better at based upon your own expectations of yourself. Mike, that's a, or Michael, that's a great point. You know, I don't think people are completely honest with themselves. And if you truly want to level up, it starts with honesty of where you are right now. So many great points with this conversation. And it really starts with that knowing what you want, not what someone else wants, and having that awareness. And that awareness is so freaking important in this conversation. Awareness is the greatest agent for change. And when we are aware of where we are and we understand that, okay, maybe in my health life, I'm at a six and we know what a 10 should look like for us, but then we can just concentrate. If I'm at a six right now, what's the small little change I can make to get to a seven? That's really what we're talking about here. Right, Kristen? Absolutely. Again, it's starting where you're at and really being honest about what a six looks like, what where you are, it's, it's the actual data points of today. And then looking at what you truly want to be a seven and looking at what that gap is and how do you bridge that gap. And sometimes, you know, that bridge that you're walking on, you're building as you're walking on it. It may be just small steps that you're taking on a daily basis to get to that seven. Like if your finances are out of the line, 
it may be something as simple as I don't balance my checkbook every day. So you start today, you balance your checkbook. Every time you have an expenditure, you make sure that you're taking it out. You do that and you do that for a week and a, a habit begins to develop. Leveling up is going to involve taking action, maybe creating new habits or routines. And I think we'll be talking more about that shortly. One of the things that you said, Kristen, was really powerful is that don't, don't try to just make so much progress right away because that's going to be so difficult to do. When you recognize your progress, small steps, and you, and you actually consciously take time to recognize that progress, mentally, you go to the same place that you go when you actually hit your goal. As you're making the progress, as you're making those small steps, take time to really recognize your progress because that's going to reinforce and it's going to, it's going to encourage you. It's going to give you that kind of mental state that helps you feel like you're already successful before you quite get to your goal. And that's a great segue, I think, for where we're going to go with this, because the way I look at these things is that all of these areas of life, some of them are going to require a change of habits. Maybe we're going to have to take some bad habits and replace them with some good habits. But there's fundamental habits of success in each one that you're going to have to have some trial and error and figure out what is the what are those fundamental habits of success in that area for you. And then it's about changing your mindset about how you look at each one of those things. And that way you can take it even higher and ascend to even higher uh, levels of success. Let's jump right into the habits. I love Warren Buffett's chains of habit quote. He says, chains of habits are too light to be felt until they are too heavy to be broken. So the first thing I want to kind of point out with habits is there's a lot of opinions out there about it. There's a lot of studies done depending on what you read from whom, you're going to see that in order to engage a new habit, it takes intentionality and up could be 30 days, could be 40 days, could be 90 days, depending on, on which study you've read. What I've learned myself, and this is my opinion, guys, anytime there's a habit that you're wanting to break, you're going to need to fill that with multiple new habits because you have routines around habits. And those routines have to change in order to make the habit that you're trying to change stick. Michael, what is your uh, viewpoint on habits? You know, Mike, you, you mentioned mindset. Really, habits are kind of like programs, I think, to some degree. And I'm no psychologist, so I apologize for all the psychologists out there. What I mean by that is that we, we have these, these habits that are sort of a program that runs and we're unconscious of it. We're unconscious of most of our thinking at any given point in time. And our habits are, are really some of that kind of ossified thinking, right? And when Buffett talks about the, the, the chains are imperceptible at first, but they become huge chains eventually, is that our habits become more and more and more ingrained. We run these kind of paths, these neural pathways in our, in our minds, in our brain. So habits are, are a form of thinking that's, that's a pattern of thinking. And we're unconscious of most of them. And what's important is to, first of all, just kind of be curious about them. You know, think about them, be aware of them. Why do I have that habit? What does that habit do for me? What does that habit not do for me? Because we hear the word habit, we think bad habit. But getting up and exercising every day is a habit. You know, it's not really a habit because you wouldn't do it unless, you know, you had some willpower to make it happen. So some habits are good habits and some habits are bad habits. Some habits turn into productive output. Some habits turn into negative outputs. It depends what we want to do. And it depends what we're trying to create. Are we trying to create a good habit? Are we trying to stop a bad habit? I think just being aware, being curious about our underlying habits and, and what the outcomes are and what we get from them is the first step to changing them. All right, I want to push back on that just a little bit, Michael, because 
I do believe there are good habits and there are bad habits, and that's how people tend to label them. But the labels that are real and authentic is that we have habits that are comfortable habits that are that feel good in the moment, but they don't necessarily make us better. And then we have uncomfortable habits that we know we need to do that will ultimately make us successful if we can commit to those. That's the trick, right? I mean, is trying to get out of that comfort zone habit and into maybe a little bit more of an uncomfortable habit that's really going to make us successful. I, I think you're right. I think, you know, when I look at that, I think about it slightly differently in the sense that the good habits are the ones that require a little bit of effort to keep them going. You know, you, you've got to make some conscious choices because they're uncomfortable. They're a higher energy state than the comfortable habits that we just do automatically because they're fun and they're, they're very little effort, but there's a lot of payback from them. So they take a lot less energy to, to kick off. So an example of a good habit, you know, might be getting up in the morning and going out and running or riding your bike or whatever it is you do to get good shape, which takes energy. I mean, it takes energy, especially living in Michigan, in the wintertime, it's hard to get out of bed in the morning and go running, right? That's a hard habit, a lot of energy to that. But an easy habit, a habit that, that kind of goes without, without any effort at all, like eating ice cream and watching television, I mean, that's a low energy habit. And the outcomes of that aren't very productive. So yeah, I, th I think you're right. I think there's different ways of, of looking at the habits. Generally, they are programs that we can kick off with a prompt of some kind, and then they run. Some are good in terms of the results. Some are not as productive. All right, we got a couple of questions that we have from our listeners. So let's go to Rick's question first. He says, why is it so easy to try and start a new habit? And I'm guessing he means a good habit, only to fall back to your old habits so quickly. This is something I struggle with all the time. I know the habits that serve me well, and I can commit to them for a while, and then I drift back into that old habit. Is it not being intentional enough, not embracing the change? Why do people drift back to those old habits? So I think the easy answer, the quick answer that I'm going to start with is change is difficult. We like comfort. We're wired for comfort. And let's use bad habits as an example. You may say, well, this is a bad habit. And logically, I need to change this. And, and back to Michael's point, there's effort involved. We have a finite amount of energy to expend on thousands of things throughout our day. If we have to expend extra energy to go through changing and, and creating new habits, we will eventually go back to that muscle memory that is, is comfortable. We may not like the outcomes, but it's familiar and it's comfortable and we know what to expect from that. It almost seems like to me, Kristen, that you have to have that drift back in some regards because when you change the habit and then you go back to the old habit, it probably hurts a little bit more than even it did beforehand. Like the initial comfort is not as comfortable. Like, so I think of eating healthy having pizza feels really good. Then you figure out you need to eat healthier. So you commit to eating healthier for 45 days. Then when you go back to that slice of pizza, the slice of pizza doesn't taste as good. You're probably going to have some GI problems from eating that slice of pizza because your body's not used to it anymore. It's, it's interesting to me how those triggers can happen. And then yet we still kind of push through the uncomfortable part of the bad habit and still drift into that bad habit to where that feels comfortable again. I think this kind of goes back to some things we talked about in the first episode too, when, when we're talking about, you know, action occurs at the thinking level. So you instill some of those new habits that you want to, you say you want to embrace and you want to incorporate in your life long-term. And suddenly you find yourself that it's just been a little too long and that pizza looks a little good. 
it's like an old comfortable robe and your old comfortable slip that you don't want anybody in in the public to ever see you in but at home it makes you feel good it makes you feel comfortable as we try to embrace new habits and we slip back into that old place again then we incorporate a level of i failed i'm a failure that negative, that negativism begins to creep in then. And it makes embracing those new habits even harder because who wants to keep failing? And that's exactly right because people think of themselves as a failure when they start to slip back into those bad habits. But the reality is you're only a failure when you stop trying to put in the good habit. There's going to be times when you go back and forth and you got to keep on trying to make it stick. Uh, and that's actually part of the next kind of questions. So there's two questions and I'm going to kind of combine them together. We have Joseph who asks, how do you tailor your habits towards your personality to optimal success? And it kind of goes along with Thomas's question, which is based off what we just talked about. How can you trick your mind into be fully committed the first go around so that the odds of success are higher? Many of us have tried multiple times to put in a new habit before it sticks. I think you're naturally going to have to try multiple times before a habit sticks. I don't. I think it's the rare change. Unless you have a change that is undoubtedly the truth, it's rare for a habit to just completely change. So, for example, I remember I used to eat, when I was in college, I used to eat Pop-Tarts. I read the package one time, and I never had a Pop-Tart again. Pop-Tarts are pretty bad <laughs> all the way around, and yet they are so good. That sweetness, that gooiness, that easy, just rip open the package, don't even pop them in the toaster, instant gratification until it's not. Then you start to feel depressed and like a failure. I shouldn't have eaten those. I did. But in the moment, lost, it was good. I think we just lost Kellogg's as a sponsor, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, you know, Mike it, and Kristen, this is this is a great topic, and there's so much depth to it. And I'm, I think we'll probably get into some of this in later episodes. You know, when we talk about these questions that people have about how do I trick my mind and and how do I tailor my habits to make progress and success, and if we knew the answer to that question, ladies and gentlemen, we'd have so much money we wouldn't be running the podcast. It's a challenge for humans since the beginning of time, and I think. You know, giving yourself some grace for being human if you fall back on an old habit is just part of the process of getting better. Change is a, is a, is a messy process. Change is something that even change psychologists who study human change struggle to agree on how it happens. And, and there's so many different variables to it. It's not a formula. So the desire, the desire to accomplish something new is really super helpful. Because if you can focus on the outcome, on the benefit, on the results you want, and that's what you train your mind on, you spend a little bit less emotional energy and time thinking about the cost of taking the action. That's a struggle we all have. Some people seem to do it very quickly. Other people take some time. And I have a slightly different view of failure. I don't, I don't think you've failed until you're dead. At that point, it's all been done. As long as you're drawing air, you have change capability. And I just encourage you, if there's something you want, don't give up on it stick with it. And if you want it enough, your chances of making it happen are pretty good. You bring up a good point about failure, you know, and, and in my world, we don't even use the word failure. I like to use the word failure. And I got that from you, Michael, from the article that you shared with me, leadership lessons from a rock climber. So you know that story well, why don't you talk about failure versus failure and how it can impact your thinking and help with the habits? The leadership lessons of a rock climber was an article written by Jim Collins, who wrote Good to Great. He was, he's a rock climber. 
and he was just talking about the lessons of, of rock climbing that, that apply to leadership. The first time you make an attempt at, at an ascent as a rock climber, if you can make it and, and ascend to the top in the first try, it's, it's a mental high that, that doesn't happen if it takes you a couple of tries or three or four more tries. So he was on this climb and uh, he got about halfway up and I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but, but he got halfway up and he, and he got to the point where he was tired and he wasn't sure he could make it. And there was somebody spotting him who could see where his next move could be. And they were encouraging him, hey, make the next move. But he was already given up. He'd given up in his mind. And so he let go. And I was tied in, obviously. So it was just a, a slow descent. But the point he made after that is that there's two places that we go to, right? We go to failure or we go to failure. Failure is where we've given up mentally on something. Failure is where we've given it everything we've had. And through no fault of our own, through no lack of effort, we fail or we fall. So he said, mentally, if we go to failure, it's likely we'll repeat that next time. If we go all the way to failure, it feels the same as if we were successful. And so mentally, we're able to, to take the next challenge and be more successful with it. The way that applies to habits, I think, is where you're headed, Kristen, is that that decision to stick with it. And, and if you go to fall, you give it everything you can. You're not giving it the mental out, but you're giving it the, the physical world just wouldn't let you do it. That's a better place to go. So stick with change to the point you hit the failure and it really increases your odds of being successful going forward. It's your mindset then. It gives you permission at failure to say, you know, I did the best I could and tomorrow is another day. I'll take more steps to try to get better at it. I have more opportunity. I can kind of see a clearer path. But at failure, we limit our ability to move forward from that. Yeah, failure is a choice. I mean, that's what he was saying. The failure happens between your ears. Failure happens because the real world just says, hey, pal, you're not good enough you got unlucky, whatever the world's telling you, but you don't control the external, you control the internal. And that's what he's saying. What you control, control it. And success, therefore, then would be knowing that you're going to get knocked down, but it's getting back up and moving forward. Yeah. Failure can be a huge success. And, and being able to recognize that is what gives you those little wins for the day that can help you tomorrow to work on that habit, that new routine again and again and again. We literally have questions coming in, by the way, as we're talking about this. It's almost like they're listening live, which they can't be. Karen asks, when working to build new habits to a goal, how do you gauge if you are taking the right steps? Did you pick the wrong tactics? Are you on the right path? Or is it time to regroup? That's a, I don't know which one of you all should take that first because you're both highly qualified to answer that question. Who wants it? I think I'm going to give it to Michael first since this is, you know, I'd be looking at it right at the planning level. And, and taking action. Well, you know, that's where I would go too, Kristen. But yeah, so thanks thanks for throwing that back at me. Um, <laughs> when you start toward any goal, whether it's, a, it's to develop a habit, if it's to accomplish some outcome, the fact is you don't know everything. You don't control everything. You don't know everything. You just take your best guess. If I want to lose weight as a goal, my, maybe my habit is that I want to get into the habit of eating a certain number of calories per day and no more. You know, I can make some pretty educated guesses about those actions. But what'll happen is, is that as I'm, as I'm taking those actions, as I'm, as I'm installing these behaviors, as I'm becoming more habitual in how I eat, I'm going to notice something, right? I'm going to pay attention. Am I losing weight or am I not losing weight? And so the real world is going to give us feedback if we're paying attention. The real world is going to tell us, are we on the right track? Are we on kind of the right track? Or, or do we need to adjust a little bit? Change is iterative and it takes a little bit of time to figure out what the best approach is. But the other thing is, is that don't try to make it perfect. You'll never have the perfect approach. You'll never have the perfect plan. You'll never have the perfect tactics. 
perfection is something that if you strive for it, you're going to, you're going to get stuck. What you want to do is you want to get to something that's, that's good enough to hit your goal and it's productive for you. Kristen? My father-in-law, God rest his soul, wonderful, wonderful man. He used to say something that I have carried with me ever since. And I tell my clients, I tell my kids, I, I speak it every day in my life is do something, even if it's wrong. Now, we don't want to pick the wrong things right off the bat. And I, I think what he was actually saying is, is just take some action. And, and to Michael's point, we may not know what the right things are starting out. And it really doesn't matter. Just do something. And then we can adjust. We can course correct. We can do what we have to do. To that end, if you're keeping score, the world will tell us if we're on the right track or not. All good stuff. I think we want to transition now to talk about routine. Let's have a conversation really fast about habits and routines and the difference. And Michael kind of touched on this earlier. A habit takes little or no conscious thought. It's, it's a repeatable action that we kind of just naturally do. It comes from some sort of rhythm of behavior that has become just so ingrained in us that it, it naturally occurs. If a habit takes little or no conscious thought, to me, a routine takes a whole lot of intentionality. For me, a routine is an intentional process that I, like you said, Mike, I might not do it as out of habit, but it's something that I want to build into my routine each day so that I, I can accomplish something and I can get a certain outcome. And so for me, a routine is, is a set of behaviors that begin with some kind of a, a trigger or a prompt that I've set up intentionally in my life. So I, have a, I don't have a habit of getting up every day at a certain time but I have a routine that does it. A habit is something that can happen any time of the day. It can be a behavior set that I plug and play, but a routine is something that typically is tied to my day in my view. It's tied to a moment or a time in my day and I kick in that routine. Some kind of external prompt or trigger causes me to follow this routine. And so that's a little bit of how I see that. I think routines are much more conscious things than they are than, than habits, like you were saying. I think that's probably true, but they are kind of similar. So good habits can create great outcomes. Good routines can create great outcomes as well. I agree. I think there's, there's a lot of the, the boundary lines kind of go back and forth between each other. I mean, think about brushing your teeth. We as adults don't even think about it anymore. It's just something that we do. You eat, you brush your teeth. But any parent who has small children, when you start- Or teenagers, or teenagers, the one- Teenagers. Have, okay. Yeah. Good, good point. Yes. Um, <laughs> when you are trying to instill those routines and turn them into habits with toddlers, you have to tell them hundreds of times a day, go brush your teeth, go brush your teeth. Even on the way to the bathroom, they will go do something else. It's not a routine that's in place that's developing that longer term habit. To your point, Michael, I think, yes, the, the verbiage, the definitions of habits and routines are, are interwoven. Sometimes you need a good, solid routine to build that habit and strengthen it and make it just become second nature. And sometimes I think habits help you to create routines. The teenager thing is actually an interesting analogy just because you have the stinky middle school boys who I think of, right? So they don't care much about their personal hygiene until the idea of dating becomes a reality. And then all of a sudden that trigger, that environmental trigger has a way of completely changing the way you look at those habits and routines. That's a great point. You know, maybe, maybe when we're trying to create new habits and take our businesses, our professional life, our personal lives to that next level, we're not paying attention to those external triggers. You know, what, what would happen if you were intentional to say what trigger do I need 
to help me launch a routine or a new habit that's going to take me to that next level and help me level up. You will never change your life until you change something you do daily. The secret of your success is found in your daily routine. Michael, I think we're both big believers. We had this conversation off air this week about the importance of a morning routine. I believe that routines are really helpful, but especially a morning routine, because if you can set up a morning routine that you're consistently executing every day, it starts your day off with momentum. It's really helpful to give you structure. It lowers your stress. And, it, and mentally, I feel that you're more prepared to engage with the uncertainty of the day when you start with a routine, because it gives you that consistency and that repetitive kind of pattern and, and rhythm, I think that really helps you to be more productive. And the morning routine is, is the start, right? So you want to start strong. I strongly recommend having a morning routine that works for you. I also think the morning routine is extremely important because uh, for a couple other reasons, a morning routines are typically when you can be very focused without any kind of distraction. So then you took a proactive action to start your day instead of most people are waking up, they're checking their phones, they're checking their email, they're checking their texts right off the bat before their feet hit the floor, they're in reaction mode. And I think if you can start your day in a proactive way versus a reactive way, there's a huge benefit to that. The other thing that's really important about a morning routine is that it also means you have to be very intentional about your evening routine. It's really hard to have a consistent morning routine if you're not going to bed at a, uh, at a certain time. To have a successful morning routine, you have to have a successful and more structured evening routine, to Which your point. You're not eating late at night. You're not drinking alcohol late at night. You know, all those things that affect whether or not you're going to be able to get up and do your morning routine. I think this will be another podcast for another time. But um, as, as we're kind of walking out these podcasts and talking to people about the things that they're, they're finding challenging and trying to, to level up again, it starts with sleep. We are reading more and more and learning more and more about the power of sleep and your natural cycles around that. If you don't have a good routine that gets you in bed on time, that gets you eight hours of sleep, your morning's gonna start off rough. Once your morning starts off rough, it becomes a snowball effect the rest of the day. Yeah, that's a great point. If I could just add to that, because you know, routines are, are the kinds of things that people understand that they create value. Some routines are easier to do than other routines. So for example, I recently moved to Kentucky and uh, one of the routines I really like and it just automatically became a routine would be after work was over, just before, just after dinner, I'd have a shot of bourbon. I like bourbon. You sip uh, bourbon. You don't shoot bourbon. You sip it. Okay, but I, I would pour a shot glass of bourbon to sip. So, so <laughs> okay. even I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a boomer. I'm new to whiskey. I'm going to have to get you better bourbon glasses. That's all it means. That's what you got to do. All right. Well able to take that charity too. I'd love it. But here's the point is that something you want to do is easy to establish into a routine. That's a really important point. Getting up at four o'clock in the morning was not something I really wanted to do. I'm not sure I still want to do it exactly. But what I do is I have a prompt, which is my alarm. The alarm goes off. And my first action, as soon as I hear that alarm is, okay, put my feet on the floor. What I've done is I've changed that pain on the butt idea of getting up at four o'clock in the morning to this kind of immediate gratification and celebration. Hey, I did it again. It's come to the point now where I want that feeling. Somebody talked about tricking your, your brain, right? You can desire things like that so that it becomes a pleasurable thing. And it's much easier to maintain a pleasurable thing than it is to maintain something that's unpleasant. 
We were talking about Brian Tracy, and I used to use this analogy all the time in my coaching, you know, do the hard things first. And, and Brian Tracy would say, if you eat a frog first thing in the morning, there's nothing else the rest of the day that can be that bad. So what he's saying is do the tough stuff first, the rest of the day will take care of itself. But who wants to eat a frog every day? You might do it once, you might do it twice, but that's disgusting. Come on, you know, so how do we turn that into something wonderful? And somebody coined a phrase, I think about it as a filet mignon. So if you're thinking of the tough things as something you love, could be Pop-Tarts, Mike Gandolfo, or it could be a filet mignon, it could be a bourbon, but- I'll take the filet and the bourbon, by the way. There you go. But if you're thinking about it positively, the tough things aren't so tough anymore. You begin to really look forward to doing them. Well, I like the way of approaching the morning routine. Like, uh, I think Jim Rohn said, don't start your day until you have finished it on paper first. So we start the day with that daily plan. I want to dive into a little bit about the morning routine. And we're going to have a downloadable resource for everybody at the show notes. In the show notes, we'll have, the, we'll have a link to that article that Michael was talking about, the lessons from the rock climber. But we're also going to have this downloadable morning routine resource for you to use. So for me, there's four components that come to a morning routine. When I said morning routine, I'm spelling it M-O-R-E-N-I-N-G. So we're going to talk, we're going to talk about the more part of the morning routine, the move, get up and exercise the O open your heart and soul generally through some practice of prayer or silence or whatever that might be. The R review your goals, your affirmations, your, your plan for the day. And then E, get educated. Do something to get to learn and get better. Listen to a podcast. You're reading a book. Something that's going to be a positive influence on your on making you a better person. So those four things are the components of my morning routine. I would also highly recommend if you're new to a morning routine to check out Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning or also Robin Sharma wrote the 5 a.m. Club. Both excellent books about the importance of a morning routine and how impactful they can be. If I could add one more uh, book that I think is, is helpful as well, and it's called Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg, and he helps you to kind of identify how to create triggers and be more successful building out habits. Favorite books around habits, and I want to add Charles Duhigg, The Power of Habits. Now, as I have uh, recommended that book to several people, it's it's a little heavier book, a little meatier book to absorb. And I've realized that if, if you read Tiny Habits first, the power of habits kind of underscores tiny habits and it gives you a way to ease into to making these kinds of changes. Morning routine, evening routine. So the, the lift off routine and the splash down routine, if you're a boomer and you remember the old space shots, that's important because when you bookend your day, the day starts with success, it ends with success, and that creates an ability to be more successful in the middle. And what I will tell you is that the first day you try to use a morning routine, if you're not using one now, you will still probably suck for the rest of the day. Just hold that lightly, right? Not that you're sucking now or anything like that, but you're probably not going to see a lot of change. But if you stick with it and you're intentional and you're intentional and you're intentional, over time, you'll get better and better and better at leveraging that morning routine and leveraging that nighttime routine to really create dramatic change in your life. It's powerful, but you got to stick with it and be willing to, to have some setbacks and some slow starts. But once you figure it out, it's going to build momentum and it's going to create great results in your life in my so just keep sucking until you don't. And, yeah. you know, you'll be making progress, but it may not become evident until all of a sudden it is. Because we can all suck. I mean, that's something we can all do. So if that's what we got to do is just keep working at it, that's good. Well, and the really importance of that piece is that we're going to have those mornings that, that don't work out. 
having some grace and not letting that snowball into four straight mornings that we don't get up and get our morning routine in. You know, managing the gap between when a habit got interrupted and when we started again. That's really the key there. It's not, okay, I missed a morning and then it takes me six months to get back and try to do the morning routine again. The quicker we get back on the horse after falling off, the more effective we're going to be to really putting that habit or that routine into place for a long term. That's a that's an important my language about the horse. You know, it, it, if you don't get right back on a day goes by, two days go by, that fear begins to creep in. You think about failure, you think about all kinds of stuff and eventually you will paralyze yourself and you won't go back. I got to share a story, Kristen, about one of your, um, one of your clients who had been, and I think we may have mentioned this in an earlier episode, but it had been an alcoholic. Oh, no, we were going to we were gonna share this, and I went with a different story because okay, it didn't seem applicable at the time. Let me, let me, let me share it now. So okay. one of your clients who had been an alcoholic, and he'd been an alcoholic, and he had, had confronted the fact that he needed to change, and he went sober. And he was sober for 20 years, sober for 20 years. And he um, was, was with some friends one time, and uh, they, were, they were drinkers, and he uh, was being pressured by them to have a drink, have a drink, come on. It's not going to hurt you. You haven't had a drink in 20 years. Not going to, you're not going to get drunk again, right? So, so he had a drink. And guess what happened? He fell off the wagon. After 20 years of being sober, he fell off the wagon. And he, did, he stopped showing up for your calls. And a month later or so, he showed up again, and he admitted what had happened. And rather than say, okay, well, you know, guess what? You got to start over again. He said, look, how are you framing your thinking about this? You, you were sober for 20 years. Does that define you? Or does that one night of some bad friends define you? Which, which one is you? And the reality is, is that, you know, when you, when you don't have the success, if you've been successful for a while and you have one day where you fall off, you know, get back on. And that's what he did. Shortly thereafter, he was back on his sobriety. And his life was was completely changed by the way he was thinking. We probably don't have that high stakes of habits, but if you fall off, as Mike was saying, don't beat yourself up. Don't look at yourself as a failure. Look at the success you had and then build on that because what you focus on is going to be what you hit. That's a great way for us to end the show. I'm super excited about what we're going to do moving forward. Make sure you check out the show notes and download the resource, the morning routine resource. If you like the show, please make sure that you subscribe. You're sharing it with your friends. We really appreciate all the reviews and the comments. We want you to interact with us. We're on the social media platforms of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. On the next episode of the Align Life Pro, we're going to kind of dig into what we're, what our concept is of the Align Life Pro. Uh, we realize that we've started this journey off hitting two topics that we think are very timely. Uh, but now it's time for you all to just kind of listen to what we want to try to accomplish with this podcast and and the structure that we are kind of following. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Michael and Kristen, thank you guys very much. Hey, thanks for listening to the Align Life Pro. We hope that you found it helpful. If you know anyone else who would benefit from this podcast, we hope that you share it. Please subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. Also, we really want to engage with our listeners. You can find us on social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Also, if you go to our website, there's a link for you to leave us a voice message and we will answer your question potentially live on the show. We'll see you next time on the Align Life Pro.